And so these followers see all this stuff. Again, these feeds are constantly going up. So like if Mike writes a status you know, update that says, woohoo, the books just arrived in the warehouse, they'll be shipping shortly. We'll see an immediate jump in orders on Amazon. Welcome back to The Author Biz. I'm Stephen Campbell, and this is the show where we discuss meaningful ways to get better results with your author business. One of the great mysteries of the writing life to me for the past couple of years has been Goodreads. I understand how the platform works for readers, but as an author, I'll admit that I am completely clueless. I expressed my cluelessness on an earlier show, and a listener told me she'd been at a fantastic Goodreads presentation from Michael and Robin Sullivan. As you may remember, Michael and Robin joined us on episode 55 for a a really interesting discussion of Kickstarter and how they'd used Kickstarter to create what was at the time and may still be the third most successful Kickstarter program for fiction of all time. And they raised over $70,000 on the Kickstarter platform. Michael is a best-selling science fiction and fantasy author who's been published every way you can possibly be published. He's, he's been in, in indie published, he's been published through small presses, and he's been published by the big five. His wife and business partner, Robin, as you'll hear during the interview, manages the business side of their publishing enterprise. Well, Michael and Robin have a great understanding of how Goodreads can and should work for authors, and they share a lot of that information with us in this show. Unfortunately, we didn't have time to get into everything, so you'll find links to some articles they've published around the web, including a presentation they did for Writer's Digest in New York City on the topic of Goodreads. So please check out the show notes for that, as well as a link to Michael's website, which is www.ryira.com, and I'll spell that for you. It's R-I-Y-R-I-A.com. Before we get to it, I'd like to tell you about a special offer for anyone listening who's considering setting up a WordPress website. Bluehost, they're the company I recommend for affordable WordPress hosting, is offering an amazing deal between now and the end of May. For as little as $2.95 a month, you can get professional WordPress hosting from Bluehost, including a free domain registration and up to five email accounts. This account that's currently on sale for $2.95 a month is the account that I recommend to my author friends, and I've helped a bunch of them set up their accounts. This is the cheapest price I've ever seen from Bluehost for this particular account. If you're interested, please go to theauthorbiz.com slash Bluehost. If you do go through my link, you'll get the same great deal, but I'll earn an affiliate commission, and that money goes to help cover the cost of producing the show. So if you're considering a WordPress site, you want to lock in a great rate, and you want to help support the show, this is a fantastic way to do it. And for those of you who already have an author website but want to support the work I'm doing here, there's an easy way you can do it. You can buy my new book, Four Seasons of Reno Heart, at Amazon. You'll find the cover on the right side of the AuthorBiz website or on my author website, which is stephenrcampbell.com, and that's Stephen with a P-H, Or you can just go to Amazon and search on my name, Stephen Campbell, spelled S-T-E-P-H-E-N, Campbell, C-A-M-P-B-E-L-L, just like the soup. 
All right. We've got an information-packed episode this week, so I'll end the intro here and bring on Michael and Robin Sullivan. Michael and Robin Sullivan, welcome to the Author Biz. Thanks for having us. Yes, nice to be here. It's nice to have you back. I guess I should have said welcome back to the Author Biz. This is We're going to be covering a topic today that I have wanted to cover for the longest time, and I just didn't know who the right people were. And then a member of the, the Author Biz Facebook group mentioned uh, having seen a presentation that, that you two had done at a that somewhere in the Washington, D.C. area on Goodreads, and she suggested that I talk with you. And as soon as she said, Robin and Michael, it's like, okay, this is going to be packed with great information. So I am thrilled to have you guys here to talk about Goodreads today. And to get things started, Michael, you've got a new book coming out called The Age of Myth. And it's coming out in a month, but as a way of jumping off into a Goodreads discussion, you actually started promoting this book, or Robin maybe started promoting this book for you on Goodreads uh, a few years ago. Yeah, for those of you who don't know, Robin's my wife and the tactical genius behind most of my success. She's also probably one of the foremost authorities on Goodreads and how to use it. So she's going to be the one who's going to be doing a lot of the talking because she knows all the details of this. But yeah, so I have a new book coming out. It'll be out this June. Uh, but yeah, we put that up on Goodreads about uh, two years ago, right? I, I believe it was in February of 2013 I put it up. Yeah, I had just finished the draft, and she decided to start promoting it on Goodreads back then. And as a result of that... Yeah, so so in fact, when I first put it out there, I didn't announce it to anybody. It was kind of covert. It was just something I was, was kind of making a placeholder for it. And like the first month it was out there, it had just a couple of little followers, you know, that a couple of people had shelved it. And then... Uh, and then I think by June or July is when I actually announced it to people that, hey, there, you know, the new book's out on Goodreads. If you want to add it to your shelf, go ahead. And then uh, obviously there was a spike, and we've done a few good uh, giveaways since then. And right now, even though we're a month and a half uh, from release, um, almost 16,000 people have added it to their shelves. Um, it's, it, I just pulled it up here. It's 15,746. And that makes it the uh, number two most popular book being released in June 2016, uh, a full um, three three slots higher than a Stephen King's uh, End of Watch book. <laughs> and and what do you attribute that, that, that? What do you attribute that to? Start early, and uh, you know keep keep at it. You know uh, one of the really good things about Goodreads, unlike other sites like Amazon and Barnes and Noble. When you can't really get a book noticed or out, you, you can't really post that it's coming until the book is out. Like on Amazon, like right now, that book is going through something called the Vine program. So people can, people who are in the Vine program can do reviews of it. But if you got an early copy, you couldn't make a, you couldn't make a review on Amazon because that link isn't available to you, and the publishers don't even put it out until like six months before release. But in Goodreads, you can make a book anytime. And in fact, when I first put this book out there, it had a working title called Rune, R-H-U-N-E. And then later the publishers changed the name and I was able to rename it and that was fine and good. Um, but it really allows you to get a book out. You like As soon as it's, you know, it, you could do it as soon as you thought of a title of a book. 
I waited till Michael was done writing it because I never know until after he writes it whether it will really come out. And I don't let you do anything until I actually have it written anyway. <laughs> That's true. That's true. He, he handcuffs me and doesn't let me do anything. Well, let's let's define some terms here for a second. Um, you, you've mentioned a, a, a several things, one of which is is just setting up the book on Goodreads. And, and that's something, if, there, if there's no ISBN number, if there's no ASIN number, how do you do that? So um, another thing I should tell you about Goodreads is Goodreads will actually find books on its own. Um, it takes feeds from, I believe it's called, uh, oh boy, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to blank out on this. I forget the name of the program, but there's a program that all the publishers put their books into. Mm-hmm. And it actually grabs feeds. So I know we were talking to, I think it was Debbie Begay, and she was saying how she was amazed that books are finding themselves on Goodreads before she even knew that they were, you know, out there. And it was because her publisher did it. So Goodreads will pick up books on its own through these feeds. Okay. Um, but if, if you have a new book that obviously doesn't have an ISBN or doesn't have an AISN in the case of, of Amazon – what you do is you search for the title of the book, and of course it won't be found. And then there's a little link over to the right that says manually add this book. And then you can just click on that, and you type in all the pertinent information. You can give it the title and the author. And if you have like a s- sample cover, you can upload that, and you can put the description in there. And you can do everything that you could that would normally go out through these feeds. Okay, now you two are very experienced Goodreads users. Uh, I am. I have been using Goodreads as a reader for years, but as an author, I use it very sparingly, and I will confess to not really understanding it, not understanding the power, and I'm, I'm sort of mystified when I see people using it particularly well. I would assume that you would suggest that everyone be using Goodreads. Oh, w- without doubt. Well, no, only authors or readers. <laughs> <laughs> okay, that eliminates a few people, so thank you for clearing that up. <laughs> so... So the um, the really cool thing is is, is that it's, it's interesting that you said you know mystifies you. I actually do a, a a class on demystifying Goodreads because it is it's really really hard, just because there's so much to it. So the very first thing that any author or even aspiring author should do is quote unquote claim your Goodreads page, your author page. And like I said, books books are being fed there through this this back end system, which I wish I could remember what it is. Um, so it's possible, like if you're a traditionally published author, it's possible that your books are already on Goodreads without you even knowing about it. And what would happen is you would search for your book and you would find it, and there's a little link at the bottom that says, "Is this your book? Claim it here." And when you click that link, it'll go through some form of verification process. And boy, I did it so long ago. I, I'm sure it's changed since then. But basically, they, they make sure that you are who you say you are. And then that book shows up uh, you know, as your profile. And your profile changes, and it gets this nice little icon that says Goodreads author. Now, if you're a, a brand new author and you have no books, that's fine. What you would do is go through that manually add procedure I spoke about a moment ago, mm-hmm. and the book immediately shows up, and then you have a book, and it says, you know, are you the author? You know, claim it here. And again, you click on that link, and then you can, um, and then you can get that way. I think there also is, is some other way to just become an author with nothing. Um, I don't know exactly what that is because – 
I've always done it by claiming a book. And you also have to be concerned that there are other people with your name, because I have another Michael J. Sullivan who is also, uh, and, and I don't know if I had claimed his books or they had given me his books or they were around. Which well, was it? Well, well, what happened was is because your name was the same, they just automatically was putting everything under your account. Okay, that's what I thought. So, so you were inheriting his books that weren't yours, and so and Goodreads has fabulous technical support, and they also have something called the Librarians Program. And uh, what you can do is there's a special group called the Librarians, and you can go out there and you can post in the group and you say, hey. You know, these following six books aren't mine. They belong to a different Michael J. Sullivan. And what they do, it sounds kind of kind of funky, but they, they make a new profile for the other person, and then they just move the books over to him. And then from that point on, it's, it's really kind of interesting because Michael J. Sullivan on Goodreads, his version of it, if you look at the raw author, there's actually an extra space between J and Sullivan. So it's Michael J space space Sullivan. And that's how, that's how they tell the difference. That's how they oh, tell okay. the <laughs> It doesn't show up on the screen, but it's there internally. So whenever I add a book for Michael, I always make sure that I copy and paste from another book of his that has the Michael J. Sullivan with the spaces because I never quite know where it is. And then it always shows up as his. But if that doesn't, if you don't use the librarian, just just send a ticket in through their help system and say, hey, I'm missing a book or, hey, I have a book that's not mine. And they get it fixed really, really quickly. They, they have hands down one of the best technical support I've and, ever seen. And I was going to say that, you know, we don't actually make money. We're not promoting them because they're paying us. But then they kind of do because because <laughs> the respect that we actually get a lot of advertisement out of them. So, yeah. Very true. All right. So let's let's assume uh, about 25% of our listeners are aspiring authors. They're, they're, mm-hmm. they're in the middle of writing a book, but they don't have it yet. And about 50% are authors with multiple books. So let's, let's take both those groups. Let, let's, I, I think you've sort of explained uh, both cases, but let me walk through it to be sure that I am demystified, to use your term. Sure. Um, so if I'm an author and I've got five books, I log in set up my author page, claim my books, and I'm in business. But what do I do after that? So the very first thing you do after that, once you've claimed the book, and what, essentially what you've done is you've changed your reader page and morphed it into an author page. Okay, By claiming a single book, that's what you've done. You've actually moved from one category to another. And then once you've done that, you now have access to the author profile page, and that author profile page allows you to customize your, um, you know, your information, you know, so your, your bio. Mm-hmm. And you can use a, a, a pretty long and extensive bio. Um, one of the things that I've done for, for Michael, and I, I also did a, a little article for this on Writer's Digest. And after the show, maybe I can give you the link and you can point people to it. But I, I did a little tutorial, a little white paper, if you will, that shows people how to put little buttons inside their author profile so that, you know, there's a link to their website and there's a link to their Amazon page and there's a link to their, um, you know, their email uh, sign up. And there's all these little buttons across the top. Um and then you would write something about your background, you know, like, you know, why you want to become a, uh, an author in the first place. You talk a little bit about your books. If you're an aspiring author, you might talk about, you know, why you've decided to write a book. You know, maybe there was, you know, something uh, dramatic in your life that you thought you just had to tell people. And so you would write that. So you, so you craft your, 
your message. Of course, you want to upload a photo of yourself, you know, so that it's not just the kind of generic head that, you know, all users have. Mm -hmm. And that becomes kind of your hub at that point. And one part about that, if you don't already have one, you need to get a professional photo taken of yourself (laughs) because one of the very worst things you can possibly do is take a really crappy picture of yourself and put that out there because what happens is people pick it up all over the internet. And then when you finally do get to a position where you're kind of successful and you do invest in that professional headshot, you discover that that really crappy photo is (laughs) everywhere and you can't get rid of it. So it's best to invest that money now and save yourself a lot of embarrassment in the future. I speak from experience. I was going to say, that that's not an idle statement. We we still find... Mike, Mike did his first auto photograph by being out in our backyard and literally holding out uh, an iPhone and taking a selfie. And it was, <laughs> it was awful. And that was before they had sticks, so it was terrible. Yeah. And I, I, I will say that as someone who's done a ton of interviews, uh, some people it's hard to find a good photo for them. So I'll go out and search Google Images and you see some pretty horrifying things. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, I, I get exactly what you're talking about. Now, if I've been using Goodreads as a user and now mm-hmm. I've morphed into – I'm sorry, as a reader and now I've morphed into an author, do I need to change my behavior or do I just carry on as I always have? Well, so readers uh, – writers are readers and, uh, and I kind of always start there. In other words – if you read a book and you make a review of it, continue to do that, right? I mean, that that what you have in, in Goodreads, the really cool thing about them is you have two types of groups of people. You have friends who everyone knows what those are. You know, they're, they're people who you like what they read and they like what you read and you watch what they're reading and sometimes you get a recommendation. But if you're an author, you also have followers. And followers um, get feeds from the author of what they're doing. And uh, readers like to see an author who's very active in the community. So, you know, it's good for them to see you review, you know, the new John Grisham book or the new Stephen King book or whatever book you're reading. You know, they they don't want to see you on there just kind of like, you know, as, you know, hey, here's something about my book. You know, you want to you want to show them that you're an active member of the community. And and um, so it's, it's very important that you still keep up your reader activities in addition okay. to your writer activities. Now, your writer activities, those are very delicate because what you want to do is you don't want to be out there kind of cramming your book down people's throats. What you want to do is be out there and be a very active and, you know, nice participating person of the community, but also, you know, talk to people about things. And it might be about your books. It might be about someone else's books. Um, a matter of fact, just before getting on this call, um, I was looking at Goodreads and um, Michael's a member of a couple of different groups. And I got a message from a group saying they were voting on a poll for their July book. Well, we always vote on the polls. I mean, we're just and usually, you know, it's a book that we've read before that we really like or maybe it's an author that we think is underappreciated or, or whatever. So I go out to this poll and um, it's for the Fantasy Book Club. And they actually have two of Mike's books uh, in the in the in the poll. Um, one is Age of Myth, which comes out in June, and the other one is The Rose and the Thorn, which is the second book in his Chronicle series, because they had done his first book some time ago. I don't even remember when. Well, in that case, I am not going to go there and say, "Hey, well, first of all, I'm not going to vote on Mike's book, right? Because that would just be, you know, really." Uh, 
poor form. And is that because if you vote on on Mike's book, it shows up as Michael Sullivan voted for Mike's book in, in, a, oh, yeah, in the feed? Oh, yeah, it definitely will. Okay. Oh, without question. It will. But but he's an active member of that community, and he votes every month. So it's not inappropriate to say, and, and this is exactly what he did, was say, um, you know, uh, I can't vote this month because, you know, two of my books are in the poll. But I do want to thank the people who nominated them and, you know, say congratulations to whoever wins. You know, so you're showing you that you're active within the group, but you're not like being really overt and saying, hey, you know, I'm great. Hey, my books are great. Hey, you know, read my books. The, the, the bottom line is if you talk like you would normally talk to people as readers, they'll find out that you're a writer. You don't have to tell them that you're a writer. So it's sort of like indirect marketing. Mm-hmm. You're you're actually using the site the way it's supposed to be used and people will find out about you. And as long as you're a generally nice and helpful person, people have a tendency to, you know, reflect that and they want to read about you then. How important is it for us as authors to participate in these in these groups, obviously the appropriate group for our genres? Well, in the beginning, uh, they were absolutely 100% essential to Michael's success. I mean, I when I look at the two most the two factors that really um, helped build his career. The first one was Goodreads groups, and the second one was bloggers yeah. and, and cultivating the blogging community. Because think about it, you know, these are groups, um, you know, of people who all they do, you know, what they're very excited about is reading books of your particular genre. In Michael's case, it's fantasy. Um, now, again, when you go to those groups, you know, I, Michael must have been in the group for six, seven months, and he never once mentioned he had written a book or was writing a book. I mean, I think this was even before your stuff was published. Yeah. He was just there as a member of the community. And, and, you know, when someone asked for recommendations, you know, he would give them recommendations. Or if someone said, you know, I didn't quite understand this aspect of this book, you know, he would comment on it or, you know, whatever. And he was just there as a reader. But then as, you know, as time went on, um, you know, people started finding out that he was a writer. And then, you know, people within the group would have read his books and they see him and they go, wow, I had no idea you were in this group. I love Theft of Swords. And, and they would start up a conversation with you. Once they do, then it's perfectly reasonable to respond to them and say, oh, hey, yeah, I'm glad you like the book and I got a new one coming out and, you know, hope you check it out and stuff. And people see those interactions. And as long as they're, they're positive interactions more reactionary than um, proactive. You know, you're kind of responding to other people. Um, Then people like it. Now, these groups have, and many authors have, you know, at one time there was a group within Goodreads, I think it was called Authors Behaving Badly. (laughs) And uh, it it was a group of, of moderators who had various groups, and they got tired of authors um, kind of flying in and you know, like the first time they ever show up in a group is to say, hey, I just released a new book, go buy it. And then they would just fly out. You know, they would just do these drive-by mm-hmm. promotions, even though the moderators made it very clear that that was not a welcome thing. And then usually what moderators did is, is they would make a certain area of their group specifically for authors so that you had a place where you could go and promote your book, but it was in a certain place and only people who were interested in finding new books would see it. But then some people didn't like being kind of, they looked at that as kind of being like banned to like this area. So they tried to circumvent that. and they The tried, author ghetto. Yeah, the author ghetto. <laughs> so they would try and like wedge their books in other ways. You know, 
things like, you know, yeah, Neil Gaiman's new book was really great, and he did X, Y, and Z. And oh, by the way, in my new book, I do X, Y, and Z too. <laughs> you know, those <laughs> those types of things. And so what happened was they would be put into these groups or these, you know, they would start sharing the names of authors who would constantly misuse Goodreads, and they became known as authors behaving badly. And what would happen is if if you had been put in that group, then a lot of people would get on you. And when you would do something inappropriately, you know, there was a lot of trollish behavior towards the part of the authors. And the authors would be like, wow, you know, Goodreads is a really hostile place. And my reaction was it's only hostile if you, if you, I mean, you have to bring it upon yourself, right? I mean, you can't, you go in there, you don't follow their rules. They try and make it very clear what you want to do. You violate the heck out of it, and then you're upset that they're upset at you. It, you know, it's it's kind of a weird dynamic. Very, very early on in in my uh, in my working with Goodreads, I did something that at the time I didn't think was bad. I thought it was actually kind of helpful. Every time Michael did a post. I had him cut and paste this little signature at the bottom, and it just said, you know, Michael J. Sullivan, and it had a list of his books and, you know, links to it. Because I thought in that way, I wasn't, like, saying buy these books. I was just saying, hey, here are the books that I've written, and if you're interested, look at them. Well, some moderators started getting upset at that, and they said, you know, we that's, that's advertising, and we don't like that. And my response was, oh, okay, my bad. You know, I didn't think it was a problem. You've told me about it. I took them off all my posts and then everything was fine. And they were, you know, they were happy that we listened to what they said. But some of these authors behaving badly's responses to something like that would be like, you know, who are you to say that I can't put this at the bottom of my post? Yeah, you know? they, get, they get very defensive and that just is never, never works well. When you're an author, you never want to get defensive to people attacking <laughs> you because that just digs you in a grave. Another thing that she didn't mention is that, um, on Goodreads, uh, we were talking. She was saying that the two things that were very beneficial was Goodreads and bloggers, and they have a tendency to do. You know, the bloggers are on Goodreads. A lot of them are there. You'll see them. They'll they'll do a review of your book, and then they will also have a link to their site. So you know that if you're contacting people through Goodreads, you're also contacting the people who will also be advertising you in their blogs. So you're kind of doing you know two things with one stone. So that's another great advantage to Goodreads. Yeah, that, and that's, that's a great point. Now, let, let's get back to our hypothetical situation of, of, the, of the, new, or the, the author who has uh, several books but is, is new to Goodreads. How should that author select groups? Should we look for groups with thousands of members or smaller groups? Or is, is there a rule of thumb or some specific advice you'd give us to selecting the right groups to kind of sort of dip our toe in the water with? Well, what I, what I would suggest is choose no more than, like, three groups that were, like, really good for you. So, like, you know, like, if, let's say you wrote mysteries and thrillers, mm -hmm. okay? There's probably thousands oh, of yeah. <laughs> groups that, you know, are doing mysteries and thrillers. What I would do is I would look for some of the groups that are, you know, with higher membership. Um, but I would also look to ones that are very active and seem to be um, seem to be welcoming to authors. I mean, some groups are more welcoming than others are. And what I would do is I would join the group, and I'd say for the first month, I wouldn't do anything except for read posts. That's all I would do is I would read the posts just to get a feel for, like, kind of the, the mood of the group and what they do and how they do it. And then maybe the next month, I might 
comment on a few people's posts, right? Uh, I respond a couple of th- ways and, and so forth. And then I'd say after like another month, then I might get brave enough to actually make some posts of my own. And I would probably make posts of my own for maybe two or three months. And then at some point, again, usually almost always a um, group has a place, a, a author promotion zone. That's when I would go and make a post under the author's promotion zone. What you don't want to have is for your first and maybe only post in the group to be in the author's promotion zone. I mean, that's just, that will just be looked upon very poorly. But if someone saw, oh, wow, you know, John's been in this group for, you know, three months now and he's been really helpful to people and he's been really interactive in the monthly reads and now he's got a book out, wow, I'm going to go check that out. Yeah, this is the problem that I think a lot of authors or new authors don't realize is that this is not a get-rich-quick scheme. When you're an author, it is a very long, slow climb, and you don't just walk into things and expect to hit you know, success overnight. That rarely ever happens. It's usually many years of hard work of getting your name out there and getting people to read your stuff. It takes a very long time, so the same thing is true in Goodreads. You're going to start. You're going to start as a reader. You're going to work your way up. And you probably won't be seeing much in return of people buying your books for like a year. Mm-hmm. By that time, you'll start actually getting people interested. And by that time, hopefully you'll have two or three books on the market. But it's not a matter where you're going to write your first book, put it out on, the, on Amazon, and it's going to sell. That really doesn't happen very often. Yeah, yeah. for people who, who are listening to this and say, like, wow, that sounds like a lot of work, <laughs> um, don't think about it as work. I mean, you're – you're a reader. You're you're out there talking to readers. You're you're having fun. You're discussing things. You're you're enjoying yourself. And you know, yes, you're spending time there, but it's 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 not you're not there to sell your book. You're there to become a member of the community and then lo and behold, people are going to start talking about and buying your books. You know, it, it's you, you talk about this, and in my own mind, I'm flashing back to conferences that I've been to and those magical moments that, that you have with, with writers who also love to read where you just sit around and start talking about the books that you love. It almost sounds like that. If you could take that sort of an approach, uh, it, it sounds like you could be successful. That's exactly what it is. It, it's, it, it's really, you know... People of like minds sharing their love of reading and writing. I mean, a lot of a lot of people out there are aspiring authors. You know, I meet a lot of people. You know, in these groups, you know, like like there might be in the group. You know, they're talking about books, but then someone might say something like, "You know, I've been thinking about self-publishing, and I really have no idea how to do that." Well, that's a great opportunity to jump in and, you know, share some links with a person that have been helpful to you in the past. Or if they're looking for a cover designer, you know, tell them about cover designers you have used or you have heard about, you know. Um, you know, it's, it's all about being helpful. You know, the, the more helpful you are, the better people feel about you and the more they want to um, – support you. Yeah, if you, uh, people always wonder how do you get people to come to your website if you're an author. And the best way to get people to actually come to your website is to offer them something that they can use. If it's just advertising your book, that's not going to be enough. But if you have things there, links, uh, white papers, any kind of information that they're going to really like and be interested in reading, then they'll be much more interested in coming and referring other people to your website. That's another good way to get people to actually you know, get traffic. And the same thing is true with Goodreads. Now, for those people that are out there listening and they, and they just heard you say that this is a long-term process, that there's, there's no quick 
payback on this. There are other ways of, of using Goodreads that might generate quicker returns. Uh, there, there are ways of advertising, doing contests, uh, things like that. Let's, let's dig into that a little bit. Sure. Um, so Goodreads has a whole slew of them. Um, the, the first one, and the one that I think is the most successful one, is um, something called the, the Goodreads Giveaways. And um, up until just this week, uh, those were always physical books. And what happened is, is you would determine a number of your books, you know, one, two, three. It, it really doesn't have to be a lot. And you would create a Goodreads giveaway for those. And um, people are always looking for free books, and they go to these Goodreads giveaways, and they read the description. And if it sounds like something interesting to them, they sign up for it. And many times when they sign up for it, they also add it to their to-be-read pile, their, their, their wish list, if you will, for a lack of a better term. All right, let me, let me stop you here because I, yeah. I want to be sure we cover this. This, yeah. is, this is one of the great mysteries of Goodreads to me is yes. the value to an author of being on someone's to-be-read pile. Oh, it's huge. <laughs> okay, so you can get to that when you want, but just be aware yes. that that question's not sure. only on my mind, but I bet on a lot of listeners' minds. Sure. Yeah, it, it's huge. So you, so you do these give, Goodreads giveaways. Now, up until, I want to say, like three or four months ago, the really cool thing about a Goodreads giveaway is you used to be able to see every single person who signed up for your giveaway. You, you actually saw their names, and you had links to their profiles. And so... Like what I did in the old days is I would have like a short story, you know, and I would say some, and I would write, I would write a personal email to these people and say, you know, sorry, you didn't win the giveaway. Um, but I have this free short story. If you would like to get a copy, just send me your email and I'll, I'll send it over to you. And I, I sent out thousands of those over the years, you know, I would just do, I would do like, you know, 50, 50, you know, every three days or something like that. And I would go through them. Um, nowadays that's not, um, nowadays they don't have that capability. You can't see people. Mm -hmm. Um, but it, it still doesn't diminish that aspect of it. So, um, so the Goodreads giveaways are really great because they run everything for you. So, you know, you have the Goodreads giveaway going for a certain period of time. Um, you can classify what genre the book is and people will look through them for genre and then they will pick the winners and then you physically mail them a copy of your book. So let's say you do a giveaway for three books. Um, you know, it might cost you, let's say you were doing print on demand, it might cost you, let's say, four fifty to print each book. Okay. And media mail is three dollars to mail them. So for seven times three, twenty-one dollars, um, it's possible that you could have your book shelved or or at least seen by thousands of people. I mean, I've done Goodreads giveaways before where I'd had 10,000 people signing up for a single giveaway of like three books. Really? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Many times. The most recent one I ran, um, which was about a month ago, I had like 4,200 people or something sign up for it. And I think my publisher just did one, and I think they had like almost 3,000 people. And why? What are you doing that's causing that to happen? Or is it just that, that Michael has such a, a fan base? Well, again, there's, there used to be some nice tricks that we could do that unfortunately you can't do anymore. <laughs> one, of the, one of the really cool things when you did a giveaway in the old days is you were able to use HTML uh, within your giveaway description. Um, for those who don't know what that is, it's, it's, it's basically the things that make web pages. So you were able to like put a picture within your giveaway 
And so what was really nice about that is if you made a nice pretty picture for your giveaway, it actually gave it more real estate because when they list all the giveaways, mm-hmm. the picture would be in yours. So yours would be like it'd be wider. It'd be, it'd be yeah, it'd be longer, right? Like more of it would show up. Um, now enough people caught on to that little trick. It was a trick I've been talking about for a number of years <laughs> that so many people were doing them that Goodreads got rid of that. Now you can't do the HTMLs. Um, but you can just do the descriptions. But again, you know, a, a lot of the people who are there, I mean, they read fantasy and they're looking for fantasy books and they're free fantasy books. So they go and they read the descriptions. So if you have a good description, a good compelling description, and it sounds interesting to them, they're going to sign up for it. Okay, and giving away a print book uh, limits it to people who write books that are going to be sold via print. So yes. what, whether that's you know indie authors that are doing print-on-demand or traditionally published authors, but that's opened up now. Uh, people that, that just write digital books can take advantage of these giveaways now as well. Yeah, that just was released. I, I, I don't remember exactly when it was either this week or last it was either this week or last week I, I saw this so what Goodreads is doing now it's actually in beta so you can't sign up for it now but it will be available shortly is they've expanded their Goodreads giveaways so now you can give away ebooks uh, which is something that we've all been wanting to do for a very long period of time and the way they're doing it is actually kind of interesting in that uh, what you do is you submit your book and you say, I'm going to do a good giveaway, and you can choose how many you want to give away. Now, the nice thing about an electronic book is you don't have to pay the postage. And I should note back in the description, you know, when I was talking about doing giveaways of physical books, you can actually choose which countries you want to have open for the giveaway. So if you wanted to limit it to just your local country, you could do that um, just because postage to, you know, Australia can be very expensive. Um, but what they did is they said, okay, so what you can do is you can enter a Goodreads giveaway. You pay us $119, and you can give away up to 100 books. You choose how many books you want to give away. And, again, they run the giveaway, and they draw the names, and they'll automatically send those books directly to the person's Kindle so you don't have to do anything. Whereas the physical giveaways, you have to actually box and ship the books. Like, Michael's publisher just did a giveaway for Age of Myth for 200 copies, so there was some intern somewhere, you know, <laughs> making labels and sending out 200, you know, copies. I'm of glad books. that wasn't us. Yeah, so that's why we only do two or three. <laughs> that's easier to ship. So this this new program that allows you to do the giveaways, um, when it came out, I was like, I was thrilled by it. But the um, when I was reading some of the comments by particularly self-published authors, they were like outraged. They're like, you know, I can't believe that you're charging $119. This is ridiculous. And they said, you know, well, I can do a, a, a ebook giveaway on my site for free. And my statement was, well, you still can go, <laughs> go be with God, you know, do that. <laughs> but the difference is when you're giving away an ebook on your site, you're only talking to people within your echo chamber. I mean, those people already have to know about you to even be on your site, right? I mean, if if they've never heard of you before, they're not going to stumble upon your site and see the get- giveaway. Goodreads is in front of millions and millions of readers, and they're browsing through these things. So by having it in Goodreads, yeah, it's $119, but considering the exposure you're going to be getting, I can't think of a better use of $119 from a marketing standpoint than doing one of these giveaways. And the other nice thing is because there's at least some money that they're asking for, 
it kind of takes out the people who are just like, you know, they're just not serious or they, you know, they, you know, they're the people who wrote a book and they've literally sold three copies over the entire, you know, length of it. They're, they're not going to do it for 119. But if you're, you know, if you are serious about writing and you expect to sell several thousand copies of your books, $119 is nothing. Now, one of the one of the comments that I saw multiple times when I was was just reading different comment strings about this new program is people saying, "Well, I can I can just make my book free on Amazon or or one of the other platforms and give it away that way." And that's a completely mm-hmm. different thing, isn't it? It is. It, it it's a completely different thing. You know, there's the um and it's a completely different audience, too. Well, and first of all, in order to give your book away free on Amazon, first of all, you have to be in the select program, um, which means you are exclusive to Amazon. You can't have that same book available on Google and the iBookstore and Barnes & Noble. Um, secondly, you know, if you're, there, is a, there is kind of a trick where you can get your book free on Amazon. It's something we call perma-free, but there's like a little – there's some – some tricks into doing that. But that's giving away books for free is a technique that many people will employ when they have multiple books and they use it as a low low loss leader to, to get people in them. But but a giveaway is is really a, a short term promotional thing where you're just trying to get people into it, you know, um, introduce people to it and, and you're gonna be attracting a completely different audience. And it seems like, especially for for people who have one or two books, I mean, you don't want to you don't want to make one of them perma free if it's not no. leading to a series of a half dozen or, or or a dozen books. This is a way of of setting up a program with a limited number of free books that's going to get you some exposure. And part of that exposure, I'm going to get back to my question here earlier, is being on these to be read shelves that people have. So let's talk about what that means to us as authors as when more people put us on those shelves. Right. So the really, really cool thing about Goodreads is it is a community in the truest sense of the word. And so, uh, you know, you have friends there and, uh, and if you're an author, you have followers and they can see what you're doing. Um, so like, for instance, if you read a book and then you add it to your shelf, your friends can see that you added book A to your shelf, okay? And because friends generally are reading like stuff, you know, if, if, I, I, if I'm a person who loves reading fantasy, then most of my friends are also reading fantasy, it becomes a, a great way of discovering books that they wouldn't otherwise because they see, oh, you know what? Susan just read Ocean at the End of the Lane, you know, and she really liked it. I read her review. I, I like it, so I'm going to add that book to my shelf, and, and I'll read it someday. And so there are these feeds that are constantly going out, and they're feeds for when books get shelved, and they're feeds when people review the review book, and there's feeds for when someone comments on somebody's review of a book, or you can even make recommendations of people when you do books. And so what this starts is this whole kind of chatter, this very viral aspect where, you know, once a book goes on one person's shelf, it's seen by all their friends. And then someone, and then one of those friends puts the book on the shelf, and it's seen by all their friends. And the really, really cool thing is, if you have a book that isn't out yet, if you put a book up there early, when it comes time that that book is actually released, Goodreads sends emails to all the people who have the books on that shelf and say, "Hey, remember that book by Michael J. Sullivan you put on your shelf two years ago?" It's now out. Why don't you go get a copy? Really? 
Yes, absolutely. Now that it's, is cool. <laughs> that is. So all those cool. people that over two or three years that originally put it on their on their shelf with a different title, now that it's Age of Myth, when it comes out in June, it, everyone's going to get an email. Yep. Holy Toledo. It, it, if they had now, now they can opt out of that. I mean, there's a checkbox they can check so they don't do that, but. Mm-hmm. Many people don't even know where to find it, so so yeah, it, it comes out. But but not only that, you know, like I said, it is this 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 whole viral aspect of you know people are finding this books because you know when they see you know when I go to Susan's shelf and I see she's read ten books by Michael Sullivan and she gave them all five stars, I might not have even known who Michael Sullivan was, but now I'm going to be interested and I'm going to go look. So then I click on Michael's profile and I read a little bit about his history and then I see some of the, you know one of the things you can do with it, with Goodreads is you can upload sample chapters so I could click on the sample chapter and I could read the first chapter of the book and say oh yeah this does sound like something I want so um, you know that's really important and then also this this being on people's shelves has other benefits within Goodreads now like I just told you a moment ago that Age of Myth is the second most popular book on Goodreads. And that's because there's a section of Goodreads that's called Popularity, and it lists all the most popular books for 2016, 2015, 2014, you know, every year. And it's based off of how many people have shelved the book. So, you know, a relatively small author like someone like Michael, he's getting a lot of exposure simply because so many people are putting the books on the shelves. I mean, it's bubbled up into the Goodreads aspect and goodreads also has just like amazon has and other sites have they have these little things of like if you like this book here's recommendations for other books and again the more shelves you are on the more it's going to drive those you know you might also like type of of algorithms and, and artificial intelligence so um you know being on a lot of shelves you know think about it this way Let's say you've you've been out on Goodreads and you're talking to people, and finally you got someone to, you know, look at your book, right? Mm-hmm. And they click over on the page and they see that it's been shelved by two thousand people. That person is going to feel a lot more comfortable picking up that book than if they go there and they see it's been shelved by five people. You know, it it, it shows that other people know about the book, other people are interested in the book. And, of course, the other thing that you get to see, not only the number of people who have shelved the books, but, you know, how many people have reviewed the books, you know, how many five-star reviews it got, how many one-stars review it got. You know, Mike has books on um, on Amazon that have, like, 600, you know, reviews. Mm-hmm. That same book on Goodreads has, like, 20,000 reviews. It's all about a search for, uh, you know— Validity and people are always looking for that. I mean, that, that's why advertising is done the way it's done. You have these ads for Coca-Cola or anything. It has nothing to do with how good their soda is. It's just showing you that a lot of people are drinking it. People feel that if you hear something a lot, if you know a lot of friends who are doing something, then it's probably something they want to do too. It, it becomes just this collective, uh, right. you know, flood that eventually you're like, oh, this is what I want because everyone else is doing it. So in essence. Having your book on all these shelves is kind of like imagining having your book on all the different shelves throughout the nation and all the bookstores. You see that book everywhere you go. You're like, well, this has got to be a good book. Yeah, like like on like I just pulled up Mike's first book, Theft of Swords, um, and pulled up the page for it. So so this particular book that came out in 2011, 
has had uh, 28,304 people rated it, and it's had nearly 2,000 reviews, you know, places where people actually wrote something specific about the book. That type of um, seeing a book like that, if people were like questioning, wow, you know, is this really worth my time? Is, is that type of uh, third-party validation that will make them say, yeah, it really is worth their time? Now, let me ask you a question about reviews. It's, I, yeah. And I love conventional wisdom because uh, it's, it's so often wrong. But the, <laughs> one of the things I hear over and over and over again is that there's a big difference in the reviews on Goodreads versus the reviews on Amazon. And the conventional wisdom is that reviews tend to be higher on Amazon than on Goodreads. Uh, can you speak to that? You know, I really don't know. I, you know, I, Mike's books are pretty much pretty similar, you know, and, and that's what I can say. Well, what do you mean by higher? You mean higher, higher rated? rated higher, like, you know, a, a book might be a 4.5 on Amazon and a 3.5 on, on Goodreads, say, for example. Yeah. So I think there are more, just the fact that there are more reviews on Goodreads, um, it kind of, um, I think it might be a little bit closer to like the sample population. I mean, I know pretty well selling books that might only have a hundred reviews on Amazon. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, and a hundred is nothing to sneeze about, but it's, it's a very, very small portion of the population. I do think that the Goodreads community, um, I think they care very much about their profile in the respects that it accurately reflects their, um, their reading preferences, because that's what the site is all about. You know, you know, like very early on in your career, a lot of authors will either be tempted to or will, you know, think about, well, hey, if I review your book and you review my book, that would be good for both of us. Right. And that's right. a process I hate. Yeah. I, I tell people never to get into that because inevitably what's going to happen is, is you're going to read someone's book that you hate. And then what do you do? You write a crappy review and then they're mad at you <laughs> or you write – a glowing review, and then your readers read this and say, you know, what was this person smoking at the time they wrote this review? I mean, it's it's totally not reflective. So I think because Goodreads is all about reviews and wanting them to be accurately reflected, I, I think they're they're pretty true. So, um, and I do think that people, in general, they are lovers of books. So I know a lot of people who, if they come across a book that they don't like. On Goodreads, they probably won't give it a one star. They'll probably not rate it at all. And then in their review, just say, you know, this wasn't a book for me. Where I think sometimes on Amazon, you got people, you know, downvoting books because, you know, the publisher made it too expensive or, you know, any number of other factors might come into play. But for Michael's books, they're they're pretty they're pretty the same across the board. I think. Okay. Now let me let me go back to the free uh, digital. I'm sorry, not the free, but the uh, the digital book giveaway that's that's in beta right now. If yes. you were planning a giveaway, mm-hmm. and let's say not for Age of Myth, but for Michael's next book, whatever that may be, mm-hmm. uh, how many? Since you can do up to a hundred, how many would you do? I would definitely do all one hundred. Okay, so you would yeah. do the max that that oh, you could yeah. pay for. Okay. Yeah. Without, without question. Okay. Yeah. Now, they announced something really cool today. We are recording this on May 17th, and uh, you and I have both read the blog post. So let, let's talk about that. It, it's called uh, Goodreads Deals, a, a new program right. that they announced today. Right. So several years ago, I don't remember exactly when, my, my mind is foggy, but, but Goodreads was bought by Amazon. 
And a lot of people thought, oh, this is the death of Goodreads. Oh, yeah. Right? Because <laughs> Amazon's going to come in. They're going to destroy this really great community. So for like two years, I saw zero change in Goodreads at all, you know, because of Amazon. There just – there wasn't any. It was the same people running it. It was the same atmosphere and everything. And I think now that we're a couple years into it, finally they're starting to get some some connections, some some sharing of data and software and stuff between the the, the, the two sites. So what they did is they came up with this thing called Goodreads Deals. And if people are familiar with, uh, you know, maybe some of your listeners are familiar with something called BookBub. Everybody that's listening to this show is familiar okay. with BookBub. <laughs> okay. So, so BookBub, you know, the, the cool thing about BookBub is they have got a community of readers who are very used to getting low-priced books, and they're always watching their BookBub feeds. And when something comes on sale, they, they all rush to it, and it gets great numbers, and it rises in the charts, and everyone is happy. So they're doing the same type of thing with like BookBub, but with Goodreads, which has a much larger email list than what BookBub has, right? And so what they're doing is they're saying, well, we already know when the books go on sale. We see them all the time. We have the daily deals. You know, sometimes publishers will get with us and they say, you know, we're going to reduce the book, you know, this book's price for a week, or maybe we're going to do a monthly sale on this book. And so they know when the books go down in price. And what they are going to do now is if you sign up for this service, which is really easy to do, you can get notification of that. So it's just like getting a BookBub feed, but with a lot more people, a lot more books. Because everyone in the BookBub feed, you know, have paid BookBub their their price for mm -hmm. being on that feed. These other ones are coming because Amazon knows the price was reduced and they're just adding that to the feed. And and they actually have it so that you can get those feeds from Amazon and Barnes and Nobles and Google and Apple's. Um, but what they're but what they're all about is, you know, showing more people when books are inexpensive so that people will buy more books. And uh, you know, that that I see as a direct uh, byproduct of their relationship with Amazon, the fact they have access to this data now. Now, as as a reader, I, I will say that when I read this this morning, I read it twice because I got so excited because yeah. they've got all this data about me as a reader. They know what books I like. They yes. know what books I want to read. Um, I, I don't know when they're going to actually start mining all of that data because they also ask me to pick categories, which is the yes. way that BookBub works. You pick a category. So there's nothing there that's specific to me as a reader with BookBub. But with with the Goodreads deals thing, there could be. There could be you know a really curated list of books that are on sale today for me. Well, and one of the things that they said in there um, is they're going to look at books on your want-to-read list. Right. Yes. So, so like, you know, people on Goodreads in general, if you look on their their shelves, which is where they classify their books, they will have many, many, many more books on their want to read than they'll have on their have read. Right. I mean, because every time I every time I run across a new book that I hadn't heard of that sounds cool, I throw it on my want to read list, and then when I, it's time to get a new book, I go through my want to read list and I pick which one I want to do. So. Um, you've kind of already raised your hand, you know, and again, going back to this, how important it is for people to be shelving your book, those people have already raised their hands and say, I'm interested in this book. So that gives Goodreads all kinds of opportunities to say, for instance, when you do a giveaway, again, if your book is on someone's shelf and you do a giveaway, guess what happens? They get an email saying, 
you know what? Asia Myth, which is on your shelf, you know, recently, uh, you know, there's a giveaway going for it now. Go sign up. Okay. So they have all these communications that are going back and forth that are really set to um, let people know specifically about things that they're interested in and give them an opportunity to get in on either a giveaway or a low price or, or anything that would lower the barrier for people to, you know, give that book a try. You're right, and this just brings more and more value to the idea of, of getting our books shelved uh, as authors, and uh, it just it, it's a very exciting thing. And one thing you hear constantly is there's nothing like BookBub, there's nothing like BookBub, but oh, things change very quickly in in, oh, in yeah. book, this world. Goodreads beats BookBub. I mean, I love BookBub. I think it's a great system. I think it it does a wonderful job. But Goodreads, I mean. Heck, it, it it wins hands down every time. Now, I did not see, in, in at least what I read, I didn't see any mechanism for authors to pay to be included no. in this. This is just something where you need to be out there doing the work like you and Michael described earlier, putting in the time and building the relationships and getting the books on the shelves so that when your book goes on sale, it automatically, this email gets blasted out to you know however many people can receive it. That's true. Yeah, it, it it is simply an automatic thing. Now, Good Goodreads does have some paid advertising aspects to it. Um, the most common one um, you've probably seen on the on either the top banner of Goodreads or on the right hand side. There's these little square kind of animated GIF ads that are mm-hmm. going off. Um, those generally are purchased by the publishers, and they they can be very expensive, uh, usually in the neighborhood of five thousand dollars and up. Um, Michael's publishers have always, always done those for him. They've always been very successful. I have actually seen some self-published authors do them, which I'm always quite amazed by because the, the price tag is so steep. Right. Um, but there also is an inexpensive, um, you know, kind of pay-per-click thing where what you can do is you can set up an ad and what it does is it puts a little picture of your book and I forget how many word description, maybe... I don't know, maybe 50 or something like that. And uh, what happens is those are being shown up and they're specific. And you can, you can specify, like, you can specify other authors that are like yours. Like, for instance, if Michael wanted to say, well, my books are like Brandon Sanderson and Patrick Rothfuss, then those ads, his ad would show up on pages when people are looking at Brandon Sanderson or Patrick Rothfuss's books. Mm-hmm. And, um, and those you only have to pay for if people actually click on it. Now, um, like most pay-per-click things, you know, I think a lot of people ignore them. I don't think the return on them is very high, but it's very inexpensive. I mean, you could do, you could do a promotion for like $25 and you are likely to get several thousand impressions. Now, whether that translates to sales or not, I can't tell you. I know it, for me, I would definitely be spending my money on the giveaways more than I would on the on the ads. But that is something, you know, if you did have money and you wanted to spend money, there are ways you can spend money with Goodreads. And one, one last thing that I want to get to before we wrap up, and that's because I'm a reader of all of the writing that you guys do across the web, uh, I saw something recently where you had done what I thought was a really clever quiz for readers of of your books and put it out on Goodreads. And could you kind of walk us through uh, what that was and and what you hope to accomplish from it and what you have accomplished from it? Because that well, I think that happened about a month ago. Before you do that, how'd you do? I did not enter. <laughs> <laughs> so 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 
so yeah, so this is this is some of the kind of tricks you can use Goodreads in kind of what I'm going to say creative ways. Okay, so what I did was Age of Myth is is coming out, you know, in like a a, a month and a half, and so I, what I did was I created a quiz with ten questions for people who have read the Revelations books. Okay. And then, and the really cool thing is when you do a quiz, when you set up a quiz, you can invite your friends to participate in the, in the quiz. Now, Mike has, uh, I got to click over here and see how many friends he has. Michael has, um, 3,945 friends. Yeah, I'm really popular. I, I have a great time on weekends. <laughs> um, and so what happened is, is when we made this quiz, we were able to send out the quiz to all the people who, you know, were his friends. Also, there are these things called author status updates. And you can make an author status update and say, hey, I just made this quiz about Royce and Hadrian. Go take the quiz and see how you do. And what we did was is we asked them the 10 questions. And what we said was is that each person would be able to – um, answer the 10 questions, and depending on how many they got right, that's how many tickets would be entered into a raffle. So if you got five right, oh. you got five entries to win. Mm-hmm. If you put 10 right, then you got 10 entries to win. Um, and then, of course, you know, it was a, a, a big contest because everyone wanted to see if they got 10 out of 10 or 9 or 10. You know, oh, I only got five right. I got to reread the books and, and things of this nature. Now, now, Robin actually created those questions, <laughs> and did. she quizzed me, and I actually got them all right. <laughs> well, there you go. He, he, That's good. You know, but I will say I had to look up at least two of them myself. <laughs> Just be absolutely sure. And so, again, the really cool thing is, is when someone answers a quiz, it shows up in their profile and it goes to their friends and their friends see that they enter the quiz and then they enter the quiz. And, and so there's this, this, these feeds are all very, very important. They're very viral. Um, and, and so by doing this, you know, you can really get people to do a lot of things. The other thing I've done, and I just, I just did this the other day, right now, Michael's publisher is doing this, this pre-order promotion. And, um, so people who pre-order the book now get access to a whole slew of, um, kind of freebie stuff that you might get, like if you were in a, in a Kickstarter. So they get to read the first five chapters now and there's an author Q&A that they can read. And there's a character profile with little pictures of the characters and what they look like. And there's a wallpaper of the artwork. And there's a high-resolution map. And they can get um, a signed bookmark and a signed book plate. And there's this little package that the, that the publishers put together. So what we did was we made, within Goodreads, you can make an author event, Okay, mm-hmm. and you can make this event. You can say, you know, from now until June twenty seventh, which is the last date before the book goes live, you can sign up for this this promotion, and um, and if you do, you get you get these bonus materials. And again, because it's an event, as soon as Mike posts it, you know that Mike just created an event. Well, all of his followers see that, and they know that the event was made, and they go check it out. And again, I can mail that event to all 3,900 of his friends, and they can look at it. So, you know, it's, it's a way of really having access to, you know, quite a bit of people. Now, Michael has, you know, a lot of friends, and, and quite frankly, the way most of these friends have been gotten is is they're readers who have read his stuff, and they make a friend request of him. Mm-hmm. 
and he accepts the friend request. And usually, um, usually what happens is sometimes it's an author who friends him because they, they really like hearing about what he's done. And in those cases, when Mike gets the friend request, he writes back and physically gives them links of, you know, things, you know, some links to some things in Goodreads that help people learn about Goodreads. So that's kind of, you know, the nice thing he does for, for people friending him. But the, um, he also has something called followers. Okay. Mm -hmm. And like right now, Michael is now Michael's not a big author. I mean, in the grand scheme of things, he's a little, little author. Watch it. (laughs) (laughs) He is the 49th most followed author for the month of May globally across the whole globe. And then if you look in the United States, he's the 45th most followed for this month and the 49th most followed for this week. And the number of followers he has, let me see if I can find it, is 24,608 people. Good grief. And, and I remember, it really wasn't that long ago, that I was excited when I had 26. <laughs> followers, yeah. yeah. I, I, used to, I used to make posts saying, woohoo, I, I've broken 20. And then I broke yeah, 50. Yeah. And then when I hit 100, I was like, oh, this is crazy. <laughs> and so these followers see all this stuff. Again, these feeds are constantly going up. So, like, if Mike writes a status you know, update that says, you know, woohoo, the books just arrived in the warehouse. They'll be shipping shortly. You know, we'll see an immediate jump in orders on Amazon. You know, we can see that like, you know, it, it's, it's, it's just instantaneous. And, um, and, and so, you know, it, there's this, there's just this whole viral nation. So you can, you can use quizzes to use as advertising. You can do the giveaways, you can make events and every time you make something or you do something, your friends and your followers see that. And that just really helps spreading the word all over the place. And the thing that's a huge advantage for Goodreads is the fact that it is the one site that you can go to that is all about reading books. And like she said, you do it on your website, you're not going to get that. You do it on Facebook, you're not going to get that. You do it on Twitter, you're not going to get that. But Goodreads is a place that you have a targeted audience who's ready and willing and able to read your books, and that's what they want to do, and you just have to talk to them. All right, one final question. I know I've said this before, but you you keep mentioning things, and then I have one – I feel like Columbo. One more thing. That's fine. Um, But let's go back to this hypothetical author with a few books, and he's just setting up his author profile. He's hearing you talk about 24,000 followers and 3,900 friends, and he or she is thinking, I want to get 3,900 friends as quickly as possible. Uh, Would you advise that we go out and start making friend requests to of people who like to read the kind of books that we read, or do you sit back and let those friend requests come to you by participating? So uh, it's, it's, a, it's a delicate thing. It's going to really depend on how you approach people. Uh, and, and, and again, I mean, this is going to sound insane to people, but I'm just going to tell you what we did, and you can take it or you can leave it. You know, like we, when we started out on Goodreads, we would never just kind of make a cold friend request to someone. You know, there would be someone who was in a group that we were with and they made a comment on something and we commented back and we had a conversation for a while. And then after a few conversations, we would send a friend request to them. You know, in other words, we would just not make a blind friend request. Now, once you start getting people reading your books and stuff, you know, sometimes we'll make a friend request just because someone wrote a really glowing review right? Mm -hmm. You see this really cool review about your book and you go, oh, that was so nice. So you send them a friend request and say, hey, 
you know, I just wanted to say that I really like what you said about my book. And, uh, you know, I'd be honored to join you in friendship here, you know, and you send them a friend request. And I think you can send up to like 15 friend requests a day um, is the way it goes. They, they have a limit on how many you can do. Okay. Um, now, you know, so, you know, in the beginning you think, like, like, what, I have to have a conversation with 10 people before I can ask them to be my friends? <laughs> well, again, you're thinking about it wrong. You know, the, the, the goal is not how many friends I can get. The, uh, the goal is to be friendly with people and then, you know, it's like if you're going to write a book, them. most people, some do, I suppose, but most people don't write novels to make money. It's not generally the thing that you aim for. You write novels because you like writing novels. You write novels because you want to tell stories. You write novels because you want people to read your stuff and like it and tell you that they liked it. That's why you write it. If you can make money doing it, if you can make a living doing it, fantastic. But that's not the primary reason. The same thing is true with Goodreads. You're there because you like reading. You like talking to people. You like discovering new books. That's why you're there. And if that also helps you sell your books, great. But if that's your only goal, it's going to be a lot harder for you and you're going to be seen as transparent. You're going to be seen as someone who's just pushing your books and and people generally don't like that. Right. Right. Okay. What's the one question you wish I would have asked but I didn't? Oh, good question. (laughs) Um, Probably, you know, like – the Why question, am I so handsome? That was, <laughs> no, no, no. <laughs> probably, probably what I hear most when I give these talks is like, you know, how much time should I devote to this? You know, like, you know, what, what, what should I do as far as, you know, allocating my time? And I, there, there's a couple things that come to mind for me. First of all, and this is just marketing in general. This is just Robin's rules about marketing in general. Is that number one, until you have three books on the market – I would not spend a huge amount of your time marketing your books. I would spend most of the time writing book number two and number three. Um, Because what you really need is, you know, it takes so much heavy lifting to get one person to read a book. And if all they got to get from you is one thing and then they're done, um, it's very hard because you're kind of building one each one at a time at a time. Yeah, you end up getting a person who reads a book of yours, not a person who is a fan of you being an author. Right. So what, what I say is, like, up until you get your third book out, you should be spending 90 to 95% of your time writing books two and three, and then 5 to 10% of your time doing marketing. Now, when you start doing marketing, the most important thing to do is to get reviews because you need that validity, right? You need people to, um, to verify that your book is good. And the best way to do that, and Goodreads is really good for this, is to offer people free stuff in exchange for the possibility of a review. You know, you never want to have a review, you know, you don't want to have, you know, if I give you this, you will review, right? I mean, it's, you give, this is a time-honored thing in publishing, right? You have review copies, and the hope is that someone will review them. Once you get, I would say, at least 12 reviews on Amazon, and at least 25 reviews on Goodreads, then and only then should you start doing any type of serious marketing. Because if you do the heavy lifting and you get them to come to your Amazon page or you get them to come to the Goodreads page, and absolutely nobody has read your book, they're not going to want to be the guinea pigs who do it. And again, you do those very personally. I mean, and Goodreads is a good way of doing that. Like if you, let's say your book was very similar to Michael's book, Theft of Sword, for whatever reason. 
You could go to Michael's Theft of Swords book, and you could find people who had given five stars to Michael's book, and you could write them a very polite little message on Goodreads saying, hey, I'm a new author, and uh, you know I wrote a book, and I see you like Theft of Swords, and I was kind of inspired by Michael's book, Theft of Swords, and I would really like to give you a free copy. You're under no obligation, but what I'm hoping is you'll like it, and you'll provide a view, review. Can I send it to you? And nine times out of ten, they're going to say yes. And... You know, you might give it to 20 people and maybe only three of them review it, okay? But you keep doing that and suddenly you're at your 25 reviews. And so that happens, you know, fairly quickly. <clears throat> so that's kind of the prelude to working on Goodreads. So the answer to my question is after you've done all that, let's say you've gotten to that stage where you have time to promote and, you know, reviews by which you it's time that you can start doing your reporting. What I would say is it would be better to do you know, maybe like an hour on Goodreads four times a week rather than going away from Goodreads for two weeks and then doing eight hours. You know, it's best to kind of like spread it out, you know, because things are going to be happening. You're going to, you know, like you're going to see, like I did today, that, you know, that a group has chosen Michael's book for a read, for a monthly read. I mean, that's huge. Um you know, you wouldn't want that to happen and not see it and kind of have it go by unnoticed. Or, you know, many times one of the other cool things about Goodreads is you can see in the in in the page of your book when people have referenced your book. There's a way to linking to books. So if I see that there's a group that, you know, it might not be a group that I was a member of, so I didn't know that they were voting on the book, but I find out that it's a monthly read. Then I, I write to the moderator of the group. I said, hey, I just saw that you're reading Michael's book as a monthly read. You know, if you would like, he'd be more than happy to come on and do an author Q&A with you, you know, with your group. And they're always very ecstatic about that. They're like, really? Wow, that's mm-hmm. so exciting. You know, mm-hmm. and then all the people who come on go, you know, I can't believe that you would come on here and do a Q&A with us. That's like so cool. And it's those little type of personal things that you're not just getting one person because that person will then tell their friend, you know, I was on Goodreads yesterday, and the author said he really liked my review of his book. You know, how cool is that? Yeah, so aside from having a wife who does all this for you, the other thing you can do to become a successful author <laughs> is you can get what we, what we call cheerleaders yeah. and then super cheerleaders. It's like if you, if you get your book in the hand of somebody, you get it to 10 people. You get the 20 people. Of those, one of them might be a cheerleader who really like it and want to tell people about it. If you do that enough times that you get 100 people, one of those 100 people will be a super cheerleader and will make it their life's work to promote you. If you get 100 of those, you're doing really well and you're mm-hmm. you're going to get what we call word of mouth rolling. But that's the way you do it. And it takes a long time and it takes a lot of dedication and it takes a wife like Robin. <laughs> <laughs> and where do we get those? And, and it takes a really good book, right? So none of this is ha- none of this can happen without a good book. Like, you know, if your book is mediocre such that every time you put it in front of someone, you know, they don't review it because they're embarrassed to, or they don't get through it because it's not good. There's very little that any of this can help you with, right? I mean, it's got to start there. You got to have, you know, good product. But if you have good product, then it's just a matter of getting the word out. And, you know, yes, if you build it, people will come. All right. So uh, thank you again for being with us today. I knew this was going to be a great show, and I, I, you guys totally deliver, as always. Uh, it's, it's, it's been a great pleasure for me to have the opportunity to chat with you again. 
Well, thank you for having us on. It's always a pleasure.